Hi, and welcome to the Sales Enablement Pro Podcast. I am Shauna Simawang. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space, and we're here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so that they can be more effective in their jobs. Today, I'm excited to have Alex Sakakis at Sales Assembly join us. Alex, I would love for you to introduce yourself, your role, and your organization to our audience. Perfect. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Who am I? I am just a Midwest dad trying to raise my kids right. I'm trying to enjoy some sports, fix some things around the house, make my wife proud and have a fun job. What is that job? I am a VP of enablement at a company called Sales Assembly. It is a membership company for scaling businesses. We leverage the power of community to help support businesses as they scale through programming through resources and, uh, and connection. So that's that's sales assembly in a nutshell. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to have you joining our Sales Enablement Pro podcast since we have very similar missions, but ours is focused on sales enablement professionals specifically. And you you actually often talk about enablement challenges, you know, even within sales assembly. You wrote an article on some common onboarding pitfalls to avoid. So I'd love to understand from from your enablement experience, what are some key challenges that you've encountered in building out an onboarding program? There are no shortage of challenges when it comes to building out an effective onboarding program. So I appreciate the question. I'll, I'll, uh, I will try and narrow it down to the five that I put in the article just to make it nice and, and uh, packaged up here. So the, the five I wrote were an undefined partnership with HR or people teams, basically like where do they stop and where do you begin and how does that interaction work? Um, so that's one. Number two would be the lack of community support. Either the, the community doesn't know how to support you or there just isn't any support. So enablement folks are forced to do it on their own. The third one would be knowledge loss. So how do you ensure that when folks are drinking from the fire hose, when they first join the company, that they retain some of that important information? The fourth one would be the handoff to managers. So after the onboarding experience, how do you ensure that the managers are set up for success to make sure that their their people can be successful once they you know hit the floor, so to speak? The fifth one, unclear metrics. So what does readiness actually mean? How do you measure it? And and what does success look like, both for the individual as well as for the, the, the company at large? So those are the, the five that I wrote. And like I said, there's, there's countless challenges with onboarding programs, but those felt like the ones that were sort of the most salient. I, I agree. Those are definitely some key five challenges. Now, how have you worked to kind of overcome some of those, at least in your experience? Yeah, it's tough, right? Because those challenges sort of span the, the scope of a, a bunch of different groups and programs and elements within the program. So the way I've thought about it is thoughtful planning, right? First and foremost, identifying what the goals are and then how do you back into those goals through the planning that you're doing is sort of first and foremost, right? The second piece was I really think setting and resetting expectations with the folks that you're working with as well as with the onboarding new hires. If there's not clear expectations, then there could lead to assumptions and it could lead to sort of um, misaligned ideas of what to expect. And so setting and then resetting expectations consistently throughout the process to me feels super important. And I'd also say, don't be married to the solutions that you build, right? Like this should be ever changing and ever growing and evolving to meet the needs of the learners and the business. So those are some of the ways in which that I've thought about tackling that stuff. 
I love that. Very, very straightforward advice as well. Now, in that article, you also talked about you know defining a partnership with HR teams when you're building onboarding programs. Why is that particular partnership so important? It's a great question. HR, to me, married up with the onboarding group, whoever is 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 part of that team. Between the two groups, you're responsible for welcoming new folks to the company, establishing culture, and setting them up for success. So if there is unclear expectations or unclear processes, you won't effectively be able to do those things. And if, if you can't set those folks up for success, then you hire the, the folks going through onboarding. The likelihood of them having a successful experience, both in the first couple of weeks and then just sort of a longer term tenure of the company, the likelihood of that goes significantly down if they don't have a good onboarding experience. So that's why if you can't partner successfully with HR, then you're putting a lot at risk with these new hires, which, which can be super costly. Absolutely. Now, beyond HR, who are some of the other core teams, though, that you have to partner with in order to really create effective onboarding programs? And and I'd love to kind of drill into, you know, how do you go about cultivating really strong partnerships so that there's, you know, like shared accountability for onboarding success? That's a great question. So every company is different, right? And the, the groups that make up the onboarding team, the onboarding program is going to be different in every company. The groups that I've sort of bucketed or, or, or thought through as I've been thinking about onboarding over the past you know, ca- career of mine, HR, obviously, we already mentioned that. The hiring manager, the enablement team, both the folks that are focused on onboarding as well as maybe the broader enablement team will be valuable when it comes to the onboarding process and program. Revenue leadership, so that's sales and success leadership, right? The executives of the company, so I'm even thinking like CEO, CFO, CMO, that C-suite is should be a, a part of, of the onboarding program. And I'm happy to talk about why too. SMEs, so subject matter experts for the specific areas in which you're continuing to, to train and, and onboard. Peers of the new hires, so folks that will sit in the seat next to them, so to speak, you know, virtually, obviously, <laughs> not quite that anymore. And then the new hires, obviously, they're a part of this program as much as anybody. So those are the, the groups that I've thought about. It's a lot of groups, but that to me, that community is what makes onboarding successful. Absolutely. No, I, I think that that's, uh, those are quite a few <laughs> groups that you have to align with, um, but it's an all-in effort to make the overall company successful. Yeah. So you also asked, you know, how do we cultivate those partnerships? Let me dive into that for a second here. I think it's important that you are the quarterback for these groups, right? There's so many groups and it would be foolish to assume that any of these groups have a clear sense of exactly what role they should be playing and how they should be playing that role, right? So again, this goes back to the idea of setting expectations and resetting expectations, having a clear sense of, of what role they play and sharing that with them. And then this, uh, I love this quote, inspect what you expect. So having a clear sense of what they should be doing and then ensuring that you know that they know what they're doing, inspecting that and making sure that it's, it's exactly what you want so that they can play the role that they're meant to play in the onboarding program. And that goes from everyone from the new hire all the way up to the C-suite, right? Like telling the CEO what you expect of them. Turns out it's easier for them to do that than if you're just like, oh, you're the CEO, you can figure it out, right? So that's how I think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Even CEOs need guidance sometimes. Now, in another LinkedIn post, you you talked about, you know, kind of your interest in utilizing 
you know, AI technology to to better equip remote employees. I'd love to kind of tie this back in into onboarding. How do you envision these types of digital tools being used in onboarding programs in the next year and beyond? AI is the future, right? Like that's that's what we're all hoping for. That way I won't have to work as hard. That's that's my idea. Um, so okay. So I think about AI specifically on in onboarding like this. Ideally, when you get someone new to the company, a new hire in onboarding, ideally AI can help you identify the coaching opportunities and, and development opportunities before that person even starts. Right. I would love to to start the onboarding program and say, oh, Billy. You know, I know he was strong in this area and needs help in that area. And Sally over here is stronger in a different area and, and weaker in another area over here. So now I'm going to partner them together. And together, they're going to learn really powerfully together based on the areas of opportunity I already know before onboarding starts. So this like opportunity identification before I think is super interesting, which would happen through screening tools and things like that in the, in the HR and hiring process. I think another one is leveraging coaching opportunities or identifying coaching opportunities during the onboarding process. So through role plays and potentially certifications and and conversations like that, using recording tools that can help identify these sort of coaching areas and opportunities in the the onboarding process to me feels like a, a big opportunity. And then the other one would be surfacing the right content. So based on these opportunities, what's content that enablement has built or resources that exist that we could surface to these folks so that they can easily uh, enable themselves and self-learn to, to continue to develop. So that way they wouldn't be coming to the onboarding team with questions of like, well, where am I weak and what do I do and how do I do this? These things are, are naturally surfaced to them based on the, the actions they've been taking in the onboarding process. That's sort of how, it's my ideal state of what AI looks like. You know, it's the future. So who knows? It could be, could be way cooler than that. I love that. Now, last question for you in closing. How do you measure the success of onboarding? What are what are some of the key metrics that you focus on to to really prove the value or or maybe even highlight areas to improve upon? This is another one that's super dependent on the business itself and what the goal is of onboarding, what the goal is of these folks. I would say like there's the Kirkpatrick measurement model that I like to use all the time when I think about enablement. And there are four levels of that measurement model. So there's the reaction, there's knowledge transfer, there's behavioral change, and then there's results. And I think you can apply this to onboarding as well. So I'll give specific examples for each of those because I think that might be helpful. So the reaction, sort of the first level of measurement can come with like an NPS type of score or like, tell me, would you recommend this course to a friend? Or it's a confidence-based score. You know, how confident are you exhibiting XYZ? How confident are you delivering value propositions or talking to customers about, you know, so on and so forth? So I think that the confidence score to me is is really valuable. It's a snapshot in time is the only thing is like, I'm really confident today, but tomorrow you might tell me something and all of a sudden my confidence goes away down. So I think it's important, but it's it's important in that moment and shouldn't dictate anything sort of like much further than that in that momentary thing. You can use it for trend analysis, but the reaction and confidence score is, is an interesting place to start. The next one is knowledge transfer. So I think about knowledge transfer when I think about like quizzing and assessments. So like you didn't know this one thing and after enablement or training, you now know this thing. Again, it's a, sh- it's a short-term measurement, which is like 
you, it could just be a, a memory measurement, which is valuable, but not ultimately long-term valuable. So that's when the behavioral change, which is that next level of measurement comes into play. And you can see behavioral change through role play, through call recording, through that type of cooperative assessment, right? So like a, like a role play is a, good, a really good example of that. And I think that sort of like certification element can be really helpful to determine if behavior has changed from before you join the company to like after the onboarding experience. The last one would be results. And this one is, has the most variety in terms of how companies can measure this and how I've seen companies measure it. Some examples would be time to first deal or time to quota. So like how long does it take to close your first deal or pass your first lead? How long does it take to achieve your quota? Those are ones that are, there's a lot of factors that go into that because again, once the handoff happens to managers, then there's a whole nother set of um, factors that that can contribute to this and variables. The other one that I, I like to think through is time to readiness. Now it's really important that you define what readiness means because readiness to company A could mean something very different than readiness at company B. And readiness at 30 days is, is different than readiness at 60 days. 30 days, maybe it's just like you need to be comfortable talking to your peers about the, the product. And at 60 days, you may have to be comfortable talking to your customers about the product. But time to readiness and like how you measure that, I think is a really interesting idea. But it's got to be right for the business and it's got to be something that you can measure over time and you can feel like you have a real impact on. So more often than not, time to first deal, time to first lead, time to first handoff, time to first quota. Those are ones that I see sort of more often than not. Well, thank you so much, Alex. I've loved this conversation and got some really great insights along the way. So thank you for taking the time to chat with us. I, I appreciate it. Listen, it, it is my pleasure. I love talking about this stuff. If you had 40 more questions, I'd answer all of those too. I love it. Thank you, Alex. And, and to our audience, thanks for listening. For more insights, tips, and expertise from sales enablement leaders, visit salesenablement.pro. If there's something you'd like to share or a topic you'd like to learn more about, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you.